0: 800,000, that's the approximate number of daily passengers that rely on intercity and commuter trains in the Northeast Corridor. Our topic today is the status and future of the Gateway Project, a comprehensive rail investment program that would improve reliability, resiliency, and redundancy while creating new capacity. For a critical section of the Northeast Corridor, the most heavily used passenger rail line in the country, with more than 2,000 trains run by both Amtrak and New Jersey Transit. It supports 800,000 daily passengers across eight states and Washington, D.C., connecting this region with the rest of the country. Present, the only rail link along the Northeast Corridor that connects New York and New Jersey is a tunnel under the Hudson River that is 110 years old and decaying. The precarious state of this tunnel was exacerbated by flooding during Hurricane Sandy in 2012. The Obama administration, which had ranked the Gateway Project as the country's number one priority in transportation infrastructure, had informally agreed that the federal government would split the $11 billion cost of the first phase of the project with New York and New Jersey. But then the Trump administration slammed the brakes on the plan, and Gateway has been awaiting approval from the Federal Department of Transportation since 2018. President Biden made a new, safer Hudson River Tunnel an element of his campaign. And his Transportation Secretary, Pete Buttigieg, said at his confirmation hearing that he's looking forward to moving the project forward, as did Deputy Secretary-Designee and former City Commissioner, Polly Trottenberg. Here to discuss the status of the project is John D. Porcari, who served as the founding Interim Executive Director of the Gateway Program Development Corporation.
1: Welcome to What's the Data Point from Citizens Budget Commission and Gotham Gazette. I'm Ben Max from Gotham Gazette.
0: I'm Carol Kellerman from Citizens Budget Commission.
1: And we are very happy to be joined by John Mercari to discuss the Gateway Project, a very important infrastructure project for the Northeast Corridor and therefore the country, as Carol explained in detail there in the opening. And of course, many of those numbers are pre-COVID numbers, and we're hopeful that they return someday. And there's obviously a very interesting relationship between the COVID recovery and this project and many other infrastructure projects that we're going to dig into here. So, John, before we dig into uh, the Gateway Project a bit more, uh, its importance, its future, where it stands, and so on, uh, just say a little bit more about your background uh, before coming in as the founding interim executive director of the Gateway Program Development
2: Corporation. Sure, Ben. Before that role, I was deputy secretary of the U.S. Department of Transportation for President Obama and Vice President Biden, and uh, as Carol mentioned, Gateway was the number one priority. Uh, As deputy secretary, I also served as the chairman of the Moynihan Station Development Corporation uh, and uh, the Union Station Development Corporation in Washington. Uh, because the Northeast Corridor is very important to the nation's uh, economic future. And it was something that I believed in very passionately.
1: All right. So how do you capture for folks the importance of Gateway and the importance of moving it ahead as quickly as possible?
2: Well, I I like to remind people that uh, the existing 110-year-old tunnel, which flooded during Hurricane Sandy, and we weren't sure would actually be uh, reopened after Hurricane Sandy, Uh, is a single point of failure for 10% of America's gross domestic product. If you take the Northeast Corridor, it's a single point of failure for 20% of America's GDP. And and to put that single point of failure in perspective, um, it was open and carrying passengers when the fastest vehicle in America was the Stanley Steamer. And the Wright brothers were just converting from the Model A flyer to the Model B flyer. So we've gotten a Good long lifetime out of it for four generations, uh, but the the need to augment it and replace it is pretty acute,
1: and that's the that's the main piece of this that I think most folks in New York City are aware of is the Hudson Tunnel aspect of the project. But Gateway is a much bigger a much bigger project, correct?
2: It is. It's it's what's called a program of projects. So there's a number of individual, very large projects that together make up the Gateway Program. Uh, and if you think about the Amtrak Northeast Corridor, uh, which carries far more passengers pre-COVID than, for example, the um, airlines did between New York and Washington or New York and Boston, uh, it it's taking the most vulnerable and outmoded segments uh, of that uh northeast corridor and replacing them so for example uh the northeast Corridor is eight tracks wide in some places it narrows down to two tracks wide right where you need the most capacity which is in the new jersey new york uh, crossing and penn station itself so you've got the smallest straw in the place where you need the biggest one and in addition to replacing uh the tunnel with with a new uh more redundant and resilient uh tunnel uh there's uh additional tracks on the New Jersey side, switching, the Portal North Bridge replacement, uh, the sawtooth bridges, and a number of other individual projects within the Gateway Program that together uh, build capacity. The interesting thing in in financial terms is if this were in aviation, we wouldn't be having this discussion. By formula, LaGuardia Airport or Newark or JFK would be getting 90% federal money for all those airside improvements. There's zero federal money by formula for rail.
0: Now, as I said in the introduction, um, and I think a lot of people know, the project was, as you say, a high priority and of the federal government. What exactly was it that was needed from the federal government if, as you say, it doesn't get formula financing? And why did Tr- President Trump put a stop to progress in getting whatever federal approvals and financing was needed.
2: Well, let me deal with the second part first. Uh, no one, uh, perhaps even former President Trump, knows why uh, uh, they stopped the project. And <laughs> as we've talked about before, uh, benign neglect would have been something we could have dealt with. But the the uh, active malicious the stopping of the project uh, really hurt. Um, the federal government role is really important for a project like this, which is technically known as a project of national and regional significance. So in other words, it may reside in a state or two states in this case. But the, the positive impact and the negative repercussions of losing that facility are nationwide. Um, and so a project of national significance by definition can't move forward without federal help. That federal help is uh, everything from uh, helping accelerate and enhance the environmental review process through the National Environmental Policy Act to funding. Um, And there is, as I mentioned before, no designated formula funding for rail projects. So it means competing for um, a limited pool of transit funding, which is competitive grants, again, not by formula. Uh, and that is a bit of a race to the bottom against every other transit project in the nation. The the Gateway Project serves a function from Boston to Washington and soon Boston to Richmond. But it also uh, is a commuter railroad for um, hundreds of thousands of uh, commuters every day from New Jersey. So it serves both that local transit uh, and and national rail function. Um, So funding is is a very important part of the national picture on it. And there simply is no way to weave together uh, more of a national rail system without active federal government assistance. Um, uh, uh, City pairs have have moved forward on their own. Commuter railroads uh, can move forward within states. But you need that national support and national funding uh, if you're going to weave together Um, a a national rail system. Again, we did it for highways with 80% federal money, and we did it with aviation with 90% federal money. If you wonder why we have the transportation system we have today, it's because by formula, rail doesn't get any money.
0: And what is the environmental review looking at it? The effect of putting tunnels in the river or something broader than that in terms Uh of
2: it's it's very broad, Carol. So so an environmental impact statement for the tunnel for Gateway, for example, uh, is is a very extensive document. Everything from the literal uh, environmental impact on um, soils, on communities, on the haul roads used uh, to for construction, um, to the air quality impact of um, if you don't replace the tunnel uh, and and you don't have an effective way to get New Jersey transit and Amtrak into New York and through New York on a daily basis, uh, then the, the air quality impact, for example, is severe. Um, it has an impact on property values, negative impact on property values uh, in New Jersey, for example, uh, because you can no longer effectively commute uh, to jobs in New York. So the environmental impact statement is very broad. One of the things I think we are all very proud of is uh, the environmental impact statement for the tunnel was a national model of doing it faster, concurrent reviews rather than consecutive, more thoroughly with better environmental outcomes. There was, for example, a very substantial difference between the draft environmental impact statement and how construction would have been sequenced in the draft and the final uh, EIS. And the difference was what we heard from communities on the New Jersey side about truck haul routes and hours of operation. And the construction plan was actually resequenced to minimize those impacts. That's exactly what an environmental document should be doing.
0: So that's done. The environmental that, impact statement is done.
2: It, it's done, and it was done in record time, 22 months, which may not sound fast, but for something this complex, it literally was a national record. Then uh, the most frustrating part of it was it uh, went to Washington went to Secretary Chao's desk or her designee's desk and sat on that desk for 27 months. Those pages are yellow by now. So the, um, uh, we worked very hard uh, to bring a quality environmental document that really took into account the views of communities in the region uh, and get it to them, uh, and it was never reviewed the Biden administration is now picking up the pieces and having to review an environmental document and ask questions that should have been asked three years ago.
0: So they're just starting to look at it now.
2: They, they are, unfortunately.
0: And well, is there something else that you need from the federal government in addition to the approval of the environmental impact statement? There's or- a
2: number of things that need to be done. So so technically, it's called the record of decision, which is when the federal government signs the environmental impact statement. It's signed by the secretary. Um, in my tenure as deputy secretary at DOT, I had seen some of them for transit projects signed in 24 hours. And again, this was um, sat for 27 months. Um, but, but at the same time, uh, in addition to the environmental document, uh, there's a real project work that has to be done because you have to go through a competitive grants process for mm-hmm. federal transit administration funding. And so uh, as one example, the tunnel itself is at 30 percent design. You don't design 100 percent of it. You take it to typically 30 percent design so that you can then decide on the best procurement methodology. Should it be design, bid, build, design, build, public private partnership? some hybrid of that. So um, that is done uh, with full federal participation and oversight. Um, And then you need to go through the annual competitive grant process for federal funding. Um, And you are competing with existing transit projects around the nation for a fixed pool of money for either what's called new starts funding or core capacity uh, funding. Uh, Those are the two categories that the project qualifies for. Uh, That's a very arduous, um, uh, a very competitive kind of race to the bottom process. And in addition, uh, there's federal loan programs, TIFIA and RIF uh, are the two programs which the project qualifies for, which are used to finance uh, a portion of the local funding components. So you have to do all those things simultaneously. Uh, it requires the active cooperation of a federal partner uh, for a project of national significance like this.
1: So, so on, the, on the funding and on the timeline, if, if the Obama administration was agreeing to split uh, the $11 billion cost of the initial first phase, as Carol was outlining in, in the introduction, that meant a commitment to dedicating some of the competitive grants you were just talking about as, as the federal commitment to funding it. And, and that, that, that commitment then needs to be
2: sort of reestablished now. Uh, yes, the federal commitment does need to be reestablished. And uh, in, in my opinion, and I think by any objective measure, the project simply can't go forward without uh, federal financial participation. That federal Financial participation can take several forms. The competitive grant programs that I mentioned, the loan uh, and loan guarantee programs. Um, There are uh, the possibility of uh, direct designation for the project uh, in a reauthorization bill for surface transportation. And in all likelihood, it would take a combination of all those things and and perhaps a few other tricks to uh, pull off the federal funding component of it. it. it's important to also state that it is a very substantial financial uh, commitment by the states of New York and New Jersey as well, uh, which both states uh, formally uh, said that they would meet and, and have have worked hard to, to be able to meet.
0: What is a realistic completion date for this project?
2: Well, let's separate the program or projects into components and start with the tunnel. Um, and the tunnel itself is the um, new Jersey approach, the tunnel under the Hudson, the um, uh, Manhattan connection to it, and the last piece of the tunnel box, because the uh, the uh, other part of this project on the Manhattan side is there were three parts of a tunnel box from Hudson Yards to connect to the new tunnel. Two of the three were built um, uh, as part of the Hurricane Sandy uh, recovery program, and I'm awfully glad we did it at the time because the uh, cool. Facts facts on the ground at Hudson Yards have kind of overtaken the ability to build the tunnels now. Um, we would be in a very bad place if they had not been built at the time. If you take that roughly $11 billion segment uh, that I talked about, um, you can't bring it through a procurement process and get bidders to spend millions of dollars, probably tens of millions of dollars to prepare bids for this unless they were confident that it was going forward and it was fully funded. So there is a chicken and egg component to this too, where you have to make sure the funding is in place, it's readily understandable, and it's believable um, to to make sure that even in a traditional design bid build, the private contractors will respond to it.
1: So how would you think about a a sort of um, not overly optimistic, but a realistic timeline for, for the phases?
2: For for the tunnel, uh, uh, with the active help of the federal government, um, you can dust off uh, what was a request for information process. That's before our formal procurement starts where um, teams from around the world came and uh, applied their best technology and thought processes to how they would uh, uh, actually build the tunnel. And you can incorporate those thoughts into the request for proposals, which is the next step. So the the Gateway Program Development Commission will have to put together a request for proposals process, which is very um, elaborate uh, on the order of some of the largest infrastructure projects in the world. Um, And realistically, uh, uh, even with everyone working full speed, that's six to nine months away, I would say. Um, when that request for a proposal goes out on the street, you need to give firms adequate time to prepare responses. If you rush them, it's gonna show up in the price in in a, uh, in a way that you don't like. Um, so you wanna give them uh, at least three months to, to um, uh, prepare their bids. Um, then when those bids are accepted, um, in whatever procurement methodology, whether it's a, a design-build or public-private partnership or something more conventional, um, you are then um, selecting the team, giving them time to mobilize um, and think of the mobilization of work in the Hudson River, the the, the barges, the equipment. You literally bring equip- equipment from around the world sometimes uh, to to uh, do a project of this magnitude. Um, all of which means uh, that that my best estimate would be. Construction uh, is 24 months away in, in, uh, in a full speed ahead scenario. Um, so we've lost a lot of time. And, and I should mention just the natural cost inflation of cost of materials I... and the construction cost index. Uh, when, when we first put together the uh, cost estimates for this, we were estimating the increase of cost is $1.2 million a day. Um, so uh, think of, of, of the cost of the nation of sitting on this for four years.
0: So we're talking about years before this new tunnel is finished, even with very enthusiastic participation by the current administration. Um, what about the proposal which is being promoted by some that we not do it this way build new tunnels and then close the old damaged tunnel and work on repairing it but instead do something along the lines of what was done on the l line um, on the subway and just repair the current tunnel while it's still open close it down on nights or weekends the way we did with the l instead of risking that that tunnel is going to flood or suffer some other damage while this next tunnel is in a long period of construction. Why isn't that same analysis applicable here?
2: Well, well, this isn't the L uh, tunnel. There's some uh, pretty important differences uh, uh, in it, Um, not just in the the, uh, passenger load and number of trains that it carries, um, in the original design. This was built by the Pennsylvania Railroad Uh, when they didn't understand tides in the effect of, for example, the effect of tidal action. And they were mortified to find that the tunnel was actually moving a little bit um, every morning and every evening. Um, uh, While this is the existing tunnels are safe, they're inspected regularly and they're maintained, they're not rehabilitated. That is far beyond what you actually have to do to bring those tunnels into today's life safety um, health and safety uh, and other codes is far more than um, what what you would have what you did with the L uh, line. So the right sequence, and I believe this strongly, is you build the the new tunnel with two tubes built to the most uh, modern life safety standards. Then you can take the existing two tubes, one at a time, out of service and rehabilitate them. If for some reason on the existing tunnel, we lose one of the two tubes for major repairs, we lose 75% of the capacity. The nature of it is is if you think of a country two lane bridge where they have to close one lane to repave it, they put a stoplight on either end and all the traffic stops one way while it goes the other way and then vice versa, you lose 75% of the capacity. So um, uh, the the other part of it is, this is a generational facility. It's needed today, but it'll be serving our grandchildren and probably our great-grandchildren. And you can't have a project like Penn South, where the proposal is to expand Penn Station to the south, add more platforms to the south. You can't do that without the new tunnel. The The geometry is such that the existing tunnel can't serve, can't get far enough south in Penn Station itself to serve what would be the new um, platforms. So um, you have to do this. The question is, what's the right sequence? I, I think what you want to do is continue to, to very carefully maintain the ancient asset that you have, which is what they're doing now, build the new one, then really comprehensively rebuild uh, the existing tunnels. And, and it's in uh, the L line, you could move cables to the sidewalls and hang them on the sidewalls. There's more basic questions um, about the drainage, about the ballast, uh, about the design of the existing tunnels that um, frankly you should be asking about a 110 year old facility.
1: Let me, let me just come back to the timeline for one second, John. It, if best case scenario, are we saying four years until there's a, the, a functional new tunnel
2: or five years, best case I, scenario? It's it's uh, uh, the right hand of the chart is a little bit fuzzy here, but I would say four or five years is is realistic. Um, yeah, it sounded
1: like what you were saying. I just and, to-
2: and, and that is uh, a typical for a major project, which is 30 percent designed, um, does not have the funding in place and uh, is a major uh, construction project by any by worldwide standards
1: who's the most important players here in terms of getting this really moving there's, um, are there any local questions? Are there, are there, you know, has COVID thrown any monkey wrenches into the mix that you have seen? Um, and then federally, it seems like you sort of answered this already, but maybe you can clarify in terms of
2: exactly who needs to do what. Well, the the good news is, uh, even a project of national significance doesn't move forward without uh, a strong binding commitment by the local partners. The local partners in this case are the two states, New York and New Jersey. Both governors uh, and their teams have been very supportive, rock solid in their support of the Gateway Project. The three public agencies, Amtrak, the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, and New Jersey Transit, all three of them have been rock solid in their support. So the local support is there. I'm not um, uh, de-emphasizing how painful it'll be financially in, in these very difficult times for these public agencies. But, but they've made those commitments and they'll stick to them. Uh, we are now in a position where we can get back to a federal commitment, financial uh, and technical assistance that, that'll get the project uh, uh, back on, on track. Um, uh, but it, it takes that binding commitment from both sides to really make it happen, uh, it's it's my hope, and I think the expectation of a lot of people, that we will see a very active, very visible federal presence. Um, as, as I mentioned, um, as originally constituted, the Gateway Development uh, Corporation had a federal representative on its board, um, just as the Moynihan Station Development Corporation had a federal representative on its board. Um, and the Union Station uh, Redevelopment Corporation in Washington, and uh, so uh, it is. It is time to get back to that commitment. I believe you have it from bo- at both the local and the federal level.
0: Well, oh, Caroline. it's going to take a long time. <laughs> yeah, from, <laughs> Enthusiasm is great, but there's, there's clearly help. a lot of a lot of steps still to be fulfilled before construction even begins.
2: Yes, there is, Carol, but it's it. in fairness to, to the uh, local parties, uh, G- Gateway um, uh, Development Corporation in particular, uh, they've been working during this interregnum on doing additional soil borings in the Hudson River, uh, making sure that um, critical properties, uh, um, which are, are in public ownership on both ends, both connections... Uh, The um, ironically, much of the New Jersey um, uh, land needed was actually bought for the ARC project um, and we're reusing it for the Gateway project. Um, uh, And and I know it hasn't escaped anybody's attention that if if the ARC project had not been canceled after construction uh, uh, began, it would be open today.
0: The ARC project for the listeners was a, a precursor of Gateway that was going forward and then Governor Christie came in and said, this is costing too much money and he canceled it. And so Gateway is a successor with the same concept of trying to increase capacity between New York and New Jersey.
2: Yes, um, Gateway is a successor to uh, to access to the region's core or ARC, which as I mentioned, was under construction when it was canceled. Um, Gateway arguably, especially post-Sandy, is a much more resilient design uh, and a uh, 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 to much higher standards because they've evolved over time. So uh, to serve future, in terms of serving future generations, uh, it's true that the gateway uh, design and concept is better than ARC was and serves the region better and, and certainly provides Amtrak alternatives that they didn't have under ARC.
1: And quickly, John, it, You you said the Development Corporation has been doing some of the things that they can do to keep this moving, that the commitments are still there. Is there anything that New York City government, New York State government, New Jersey government should be doing right now to prepare for the federal government permission, for the funding to come through, you know, assuming these things are moving ahead? Are there local things that need to be happening now that people need a wake up call on?
2: Yeah, the the, um, first, just in terms of how projects actually actually work, there's this kind of uh, uh, common perception that it's all Washington-directed, that somehow from the federal level, these projects happen. Since colonial times, the project decisions are made at the local level. That's how federalism works in infrastructure. So the burden really is on the two states, the three public agencies that I mentioned, and the city of New York, uh, and there's multiple municipalities on the New Jersey side that have been working on this as well, to put together an updated project plan, uh, including timing, finance, any technical deficiencies. So in other words, any technical work that still remains to be done, um, build that into uh, a coherent and consistent timeframe. And there are very strict federal requirements on what constitutes an adequate finance plan for the project. You know, in, in the old days we funded major projects, now we finance them. There's mm-hmm. a big difference. And, and so the finance plan uh, needs to be um, rock solid in the sense that, that the local commitment's shown in and, and sources and uses and years. Um, and all of that is actually put together at the local level and, and presented as a package, essentially, um, uh, to the USDOT. Okay. Well, Senator
1: Schumer's probably listening and and knows that uh, that, that he, he can he can jump in here and and help move things along. Uh, I'm that's it for me, Carol. Any final any final No. Questions?
0: You've uh, broken down a complicated subject in a way that I think will help a lot of people understand what's going on and that there is reason for hope, but we're not going to have new tunnels in the next 6 months.
2: It's not going to happen in the next six months. And I'd no. be negligent if I didn't point out that this project, uh, when it was uh, on life support through the Trump administration, would not likely not have survived without the unyielding uh, commitment of both governors and the four senators. And, and to a person, uh, they, uh, in the darkest hours, they were all there uh, working for the project. Noteworthy indeed. Well, wow.
1: John D. Picari was the uh, founding interim executive director of the Gateway Program Development Corporation from July 2016 until uh, early 2019. And we really appreciate uh, the time, John, and thank you. And we'll be uh, following up as this moves ahead. My pleasure. Take care. Bye.